Are you ready for more miracles and magic in your life? Rainbows in Real Life is dedicated to bringing positivity to the forefront, celebrating the power and promise of the human spirit, and supporting each other in challenging times. Together, we are finding ways to make the future bigger and brighter for all of us. We will be sharing stories of perseverance, possibility, and promise in engaging with experts that are making a real difference in the world. Join us live on Facebook on Thursday evenings to engage in the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Hello, brilliant souls, and welcome to Rainbows and Real Life, the show dedicated to bringing positivity to the forefront, celebrating the power and promise of the human spirit, and supporting each other in challenging times. We believe when we join together, we all live better lives, and we are exploring ways we can do that in today's ever-changing world. I am Pamela Aubrey. I'm here with my amazing co-host, Christopher Rausch, the No Excuses Coach. What's up, and the incredible and amazing Daniel Bruce Levin. Whoa. Welcome. No, no, uh, you know, nothing I have to live up to on those words, right? <laughs> oh, wait, oh, just wait, just wait. Oh, so, so we haven't even really gotten started. This, this, is, this, is, this is my opportunity to say really nice things about you. So uh -oh. visionary, <laughs> author of the Mosaic, mentor, speaker, Daniel Bruce Levin, who after being ordained as a rabbi, left to spend 10 years as a monk in a monastery in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains. From there, he transitioned to corporate head and the director of business development at Hay House, helping it grow from $3 million to um, over $100 million over the next 10 years. A rare blend of mystic and business guy and respected author and a storyteller. You believe our words create our stories and our stories create our life. Change the words and the whole story changes. So honored to have you here tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that kind introduction. I remember once when we were doing a conference, I set up some conferences for Hay House when I first came. And I remember introducing Louise and I gave her such a beautiful introduction. And she stood up on the stage and she said, oh, come on, Danny, everybody in this room knows I'm just a bitch. Why do you, why do you want to leave me like this? And, and I, thought, I thought, oh my God, how, how inconsiderate of her at that moment. But now as I sit in her place, not in her place, I mean, I'm like in the, you know, in the, in the bleachers behind the walls, behind the stadium of where she would be. Um, and people introduce me and they read my bio. I always want to just say to people, as, as, as pretty as that sounds, none of it really matters. Because here's what does matter. If the three of us together can bring some energy together and people feel us and people are touched and moved, not only by the words we say, but by the feeling, the energy, the vibration, the thing, their hearts being touched, their souls being touched, then we have something. Then it doesn't really matter who I was. I could have been living under a bridge for 60 years. And if we can't, does it really matter that I did anything like that? Because right now we didn't do anything. So I'm counting on the three of us to sort of conjure up some magic here, okay? 
because because this is the magic that will take people from this place where oh wow he's really cool to oh my god i feel touched what happened there exactly i have no doubt that that's not going to happen uh, during the course of this conversation that that's not yeah. going to happen or that is going to happen i have it no doubt that that's yeah. not going to happen is what you yeah, I, that was a double negative there so <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely i mean that was you know really in my wanting to have you on the show it is really for people to come here and get to know you the real you and to hear the story of not who you've been or what you've done but the story of your heart what is it that you want to share with the world and what are you here to share with the world and you've written this beautiful book the mosaic and there's obviously pieces of you in this book so what really brought this book to life um beautiful question and rather than talking for right now about what brought it to life, it's now two, two some years old, two, two years ago that I published it. What I really want to talk about is what's bringing it to life right now. Because somehow when I wrote it, it was just a cute little story. And part of what happened for me is I sat down and I based, I wrote this fable based on the people that I had met in my life, loosely based, but I took some liberties in, in my explanation of it. But I based it on characters that I met. And I had written a book for another, for a hotel, the most anticipated hotel. They asked me to come and write their story for them and brand their hotel. And I had no idea what they were talking about, but I did it. And I did it in six weeks because that was the time frame that I needed to do it. So I thought this will be a piece of cake to write my own story like this. I know the story. I'm going to write it. It's a great story. It's an interesting story. I'll take my time and I'll write it. I thought in eight weeks it'll be done. Two and a half years later, I was still laboring with this thing. And what happened for me in that process is the characters came alive that I was creating. I wasn't talking to the real people that I based them on. I was talking to the characters that were now alive in their own right. And they literally came to me and they said, Danny, we can't let you write what you're trying to write because we don't want to say what you're trying to say to us. And I said, well, what do you mean? You're my characters. I don't I have the right to say what to say to have you say what I want you to say. This is my story, my book, my thing. And they said, not anymore. You've given you've breathed life into us. And now what we want you to do is listen to what we want to say and share what we want to say with people. Little did I realize that in doing that, this I this book became a living, breathing reality that just a couple days ago in a book club that we've, we created for it, where a, a group, a, uh, people called High Tide, put together this book club and there's questions that you have to answer about the characters and, and they integrate into your life. Everything that I thought I believed in, there's a, one of the principles of the mosaic is nothing is as it seems. And I thought that was just nice, magical, interesting words. But what's happening for me right now in my life is that Nothing is as it seems. All my life I've been put into this persona of being sort of, I was a wise guy when I was a kid and somehow that turned into a wise man as I grew older. But that wise man has kept me from being just a good friend and a good husband and a good father and a good lover and a good everything because I was always the monk on the hill. And so 
what's happening now is it's not something I ever wanted to be, but I somehow got cast. I, I got cast into it, and then I backed myself into that spotlight. And it felt comfortable to be the teacher I never wanted to be. But I didn't want to be that person. And so now I'm standing stripped of all that because that's not who I am. Saying, what would it be like just to be a friend? What, what, what? There's a character in the book called The Trash Man. And, my, and the people in my book club said, so what can you give to the trash man that would let him take this away from you? There's a character called the mirror maker. And they said, when you look in the mirror and, and the mirror maker asks you, what does the mirror see? What does the mirror see instead of your stories that you keep telling yourself? What's the mirror trying to show you about who you are? And what it's showing me is not the person that I am. It's not the stories that I've built the foundations of my life on. Those are false stories. And so it's, a, it's, it's like the most beautiful, exciting moment of my life, but it's scary as hell because I'm not who I thought I've been, even though I haven't wanted to be that person. It's been comforting to be that. I don't want to keep talking because I want to- I feel like Christopher has a burning question already. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just like seriously just tripping out on how you're talking about this because it's so exciting to think that, you know, I had a friend of mine who wrote horror fiction and he was just like, you know, these characters, when you start really writing them, they start to, you start to really care yeah. about them. They start to develop personalities. He told me it bothered him to have to kill off a character in his book. He said it physically upset him to have to do this. And I was like, what? So yeah. I love how you're describing that. And the first thing that comes to mind as you're, as you're sharing that is for me in, in, in plainer and simpler terms, I think the ego, I think that once we can shed our ego and, and shed the false identities and the beliefs that we thought we were supposed to be accomplishing and doing and everything else, once we shed that and we just start acting in congruence with what our soul's purpose is to be here for, that's, that's kind of what I'm feeling that you're, that you're talking about. Is that, is that close? Um, okay. Yes. Obvious. I, yes. Yes. And look, everything in my life is black and white. I have a white wall with a black and white book on it. I wear a black shirt. I have a white beard and white hair, right? So I don't, and yet I don't live in a black and white world, but those are the colors that I'm drawn to. That's the way when I, when I talk, that's the way things sound. They sound like they're black or white. And so, yes, you're right that it's about the ego, but look, I've been spending 45 years dissolving my ego. I've been spending 45 years trying to find that fulcrum place where my ego has its place to play and it also knows where to surrender. So it isn't just like this, and I don't mean this in any way disrespectfully because I'm not, 45 years is nothing, I'm a newbie still. Hmm. But it's not this newbie place of like, well, boy, I gotta surrender my ego right now. It's the fact that I thought I had done all of that. I thought I had given that stuff up. I thought I was pretty secure in where I was. I thought my messaging and my purpose was pretty spot on. But I thought wrong. And it's just another story that I've told myself, that I've told myself so many times over and over and over and over and over again that I started to believe it was true. But it isn't true. And so what is the scariest part of that for you? Um, that the ground that I'm walking on is no longer solid, that the building that I am standing in doesn't have a foundation to it anymore, that who I think I am is not who I am. And so when 
let's talk about it in terms of the book because maybe it'll be easier for me. Maybe it'll give me some comfort to come to one of my characters because I'm very uncomfortable as you can feel now because I'm normally very secure in what I'm going to say. I know my messaging. I know I've got it all. I'm, un I'm very uncomfortable right now. Well, that's good. Uh, that's of course good. it is. That's <laughs> a great place to be. Honestly, you're in a safe spot to do it, so why not be uncomfortable? That's Thank you. And I appreciate that. And I, really, I you, you have no idea how much I appreciate that. And, yeah. and especially from you because I know Pamela a little bit and I feel comfortable with her. I, it, but for you to say that to me, I, 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 I love you, brother, already. And I thank you. Thank you. No, you're welcome. You're, you're in a good spot. You're, you're with the right people. So yeah. Mo is walking through the town. And all the shops in the town are closed except for one town, except for one shop. And he walks in and there's nobody in the shop. And there's, he walks in and there's nobody even tending to the shop. But it's the only shop that's lit up. And he thinks to himself, should I call out and say, I'm here? Is anybody here? Can I come in the store? Because he doesn't want to be rude and just walk into a place where he's not welcome. And he says, but why? Why bother them? I'm walking through on a journey. It's not like I'm going to buy something. And the shop's a mirror shop. So he's not like, I'm not going to buy a big mirror. So I'd let them, if they're doing what they're doing, let them do it. I'll just walk around. And if I offend them, I'll, you know, we'll deal with it then. Let me just walk around and see what I see. And he's walking around this mirror store. And it's the most confusing thing he's ever seen. Because as he looks at something, something he doesn't know if he's seen it or if he's seen a reflection of a reflection of it. And he doesn't really know what he's seen. And he comes upon a mirror that's unlike any mirror he's ever seen. The frame is exquisite, and the mirror itself is made of brass. And he's never seen a mirror made of brass, but the brass is polished so beautifully that it reflects, and, and the mirror maker knows this mirror is special, and she's taken a light and directly highlighted the mirror with that light. So now that translucent bronze glow, now suddenly he sees himself in it. And suddenly the mirror maker appears and she says to him, so I see you found the mirror you like, Mo. And he says, how do you know my name? And she said, oh, there's strange things that happen in this world, Mo. The, the wise one told me years and years and years ago that you would be coming to my shop. And I never, I didn't know whether to believe him or not. I've waited a long time for you to be here, but tell me what, why you like this mirror. And he said, this mirror is not like any mirror I've ever seen. It's like, who's ever seen a mirror made of bronze? And, and before you even came, it's, it was talking to me. The mirror was actually speaking to me. And she said, well, what did the mirror say? And the mirror told me that I could trust you, just Christopher, like you told me I could trust you in this room. It said, you can trust me here. You can trust her. Speak to her. Because I didn't know if I could tell you the things that are going through in my head, what's going on. And so she said, so do you believe that you can trust me? No. Do you believe the mirror? And he said, yes, of course I do. And she said, so what does the mirror see? And he looked in the mirror and he said, basically, what he sees in the mirror. He started to tell all the stories that he sees himself. And, and now he's not a young boy anymore. He started out as a young boy. He's becoming an older man. His hair is turning gray. His, his, you know, he's got, he's got schmutz all over him because he's been sleeping outside. You know, he's not the clean, clean guy he wants to be. And the mirror maker listens for a little while. And she says, I'm sorry, Mo. I didn't ask you that question. I didn't ask you, what do you see? I asked you, what does the mirror see when it looks at you? You're telling me this, your stories. The mirror doesn't know your stories. It just sees you. What does the mirror see? 
I've had a head-on encounter with the mirror maker right now in my life. Hmm. And I don't know what the mirror sees. Because right now in these last few days, I've just been trying to rid myself of these stories that have become so real to me that I believe so much that aren't really real at all. They're just stories that I've told so many times to myself that I actually believe they're facts and I've built them, I've used them as a foundation to build my life upon them, but they're not real. They're not real. What, what, give us an example of a story because I have a different, I have different variations in my brain about what story. So help describe that a little bit to put it in context for us. Okay. Let's go back to your statement of it's, it's just about ego. There's a part of me that says, hey, look, you spent 45 years meditating every day for 45 years. Some of that time you've been in a monastery and you meditated 18 hours a day, 12 hours a day, 15 hours a day. Some of that time over those 45 years, you meditated 10 seconds a day, but you haven't missed a day in 45 years of meditating. Look at even the arrogance in which I said, hey, you know, this isn't my first time around the, around the, the you know, the, this, the block here. When you said that to me, it's about ego. All that stuff presumes that I'm somebody other than I am, which is just another bozo on the bus. And, and I always talk about this, the beauty of this Zen mind, beginner's mind of that mind that does something for the millionth time over and over and over again. And it's as if he's never done it before. And you're doing it this time new and fresh. Like, it, like it's something completely new to you, even though you've done it a million times. But I don't know that I've done that in a long time anymore. I used to do it more. And what would happen if I got off of the pedestal that either people put me on or I back myself into and stand up on? You know, I always try, if, if I see someone putting me on, I say, oh, come on, just like I did in the introduction. Come on, I'm just, you know, another bozo on the bus, okay? But neither the pedestal nor the bozo is who I really am. What if I had the courage to just know who I am? And I'm not sure I do that anymore. Those stories are, are, have been so embedded in me. Even in the way I'm speaking now, I watch myself. I'm speaking as somebody who knows something. Right. So if you, were, if you were one word, what one word would you be? If you, if you thought about yourself in your totality, soul, mind, body, spirit, everything, what's the one word that, that you would say you are? Listen, listener. I was, I was thinking love. Cause I think, yeah. I think we're all love. And I think when you, yeah. when you kind of pick everything down, all the divisiveness and everything that's going on in the world today, and you really choose to see that we're all love, we're all part of that bigger ocean. For me, at least it gives me, allows me empathy to understand that everybody's journey is going to be a little bit different. And those awakenings, those moments that you're having where you're like, wait a minute, you know, I've had, I've been having some of those myself over the last year. And rather than fight them and like question them, I'm just kind of like going with them. I'm like, okay, that's a new chapter in my life and I'm going to, I'm going to flow with it. But uh, that's what helps me is just thinking about, okay, I'm love and everything yeah. else is an experience. It's a moment. So the question that comes to me then is what is the mirror? Um, great question. Mm -hmm. I got an idea. <laughs> I Share it with me. I'm, I, I know. I can, I'm truly. I, I I'm can truly. tell you. I can tell you what I think, but I don't. I can't tell you what I know. The what mirror up until the moment that you asked me the question 
was the perception of how I see myself in the world. Hmm. Right. And I see myself in everything that's around me. I see myself in the way I'm talking here to you now. There is no mirror here. But I see the way I'm talking. Is this really who I am or am I... Is this a convenient place that I can stay where I'm some wise man who can hide behind my, all my insecurities behind this place that I don't really want to touch by being wise and answering the question? But do I have the courage to say I really don't know? Sure, I do. I, I, I really don't know. You know, when Christopher tells, tells me I am love, my first response is, of course. You know, and you are love. Christopher, you are love. I can feel it. And, and, I, and I love that you are love. And I would have said I am love many, many times in the course of my life. But in this particular moment, what I am is that vibration of listening. Because everything in this world is trying to speak to me. And, I, and I'm speaking and loving and giving so much that I'm not receiving. Right. And I need to receive that love. And I need to ex embrace that love. And I need to accept that love. And I need to know that this love is all around me if I would only let it in. And listening is receiving. All my life I've spent giving and speaking. So what do you hey. attribute, what do you attribute this, this uh, round of epiphanies and, and realizations? What do you attribute that to? Do you, to, to what's going on in the world, mortality, things in your life, you know, the books you're reading? I mean, what, what do you attribute that kind of, oh, wow, here's another way to look at things. I had a friend have me on his podcast. And I made a decision I didn't want to say the same things I've always said. And that was about five days ago. Nice. And, and when I couldn't say the same things I always said, similar to what I'm doing here now, is I said, okay, what would I say if I can't say all that? One of the practices I do when I work with people is I'll ask them a question and I'll hear them say the same things. And I'll hear them say it in exactly the same words. They've said it a thousand times that way in exactly the same words. I have an autistic daughter, so I know what that sounds like when she just says the same thing a thousand times in the day. Same exact words, same exact expression, same. And I hear it in everybody. I hear the autism of the world speaking all the time. And I'm autistic too. I say the same stories the same way and using the same words. And I said, okay, and I'll say to people, Slide that to the right. You can't use that story, those words, that thing anymore. How do you answer now? And people are perplexed. And I didn't understand it. I'm perplexed. All I can say is, hey, I'm not really sure. What I think the mirror is, is the way I see myself. Right now, the mirror might be Christopher. Right now, the mirror might be you, Pamela. Right now, the mirror may be me looking at myself saying, what in the hell is this guy saying? This isn't, is this really true? What you how true are you in this moment to what you believe? Right. Well, How true am I? <clears throat> Do you think of the mirror as the soul? Like your, your, your soul is looking into the mirror and telling you the human brain, who you are, who you've been on the journey, like trying to really speak to you. I know, I know that's kind of a, a weird way of saying it, but I'm learning about all the soul stuff and how we get detached from it. And do you think it's anything, anything like that related? I don't think it's as divided as you think it, as you're presenting it right now. I don't think there's a difference between um, our soul and our body. You know, I've played the soul game for 45 years, but in doing that, I've neglected the body game. Mm. And one of the big questions that I'm looking at, I mean, I used to be, I used to be a weightlifter. I used to go into the gym. I weighed 165 pounds. I bench pressed 345 pounds. I ran 48 miles a week and, and we ran marathons together and ultra marathons. 
and then I hurt myself and then I couldn't go to the gym. And then I decided, what the heck am I doing this for? Like, I'm not going to be able to take this body with me. Why is it so important, this body? Like, forget about the body. And I heard a story that someone told me, and this is a story I've repeated before, so I'm going to try and say it differently. There's a man outside telling me tomorrow he's going to tear down my house. I still have a little corner of my bedroom wall that I haven't finished painting. I have a dilemma tonight. Do I finish painting that wall tonight knowing tomorrow he's going to tear down the house? Or do I say, screw it? My wife would paint the corner of the house because she enjoys and is in love with this moment and wants this moment, wants every moment in the experience of this moment to be perfectly perfect. I would say, hell no, I'm not going to paint. I'm not like, I'm going to waste my time painting that. You're, you're destroying that. You're going to destroy the house. No one will know. She says, I know. And that's how I've treated my body. When it comes down to it, I said, I'm not going to be able to take this thing with me anywhere. Why, why should I, why should I take such good care of this body? That's going to, I'm going to leave in a few years. Like why finish painting the corner of the house? My wife says, well, because your body's your temple. And the amount of years you're here are a result of how long you, how well you take care of this temple. I don't know now what I would do if the man outside came and knocked on my door and said, we're tearing your house down tomorrow. I might just paint that wall because I think I'm missing out on that moment of making this thing perfect right now, or as good as perfect can be. So what does that look like for you in the moment? Um, it's funny, we've been talking about a mirror. So I spend so much of my time working with people, on people, for people, allowing them to feel my energy and changing through my energy and doing that. I can't say that I don't spend any time working on myself. I spend a lot of time working on myself. But there are big areas that I haven't worked on. My, I have pain all through my body. I have a body that's overweight. So right now, I'm literally trying to figure and configure the frequencies of my body in a different way. Because if I believe in all this stuff, which I do, then I can alter the frequencies of my body. I mean, right now, I'm, I've got this device, it's a Healy, that I have that, that actually changes the frequencies of your body. And, I'm, and it's running the program right now as we're speaking. So, but I wanna do that consciously as well. You see people like Joe Dispenza, who is, who, they were their their backs were broken. I mean, every spine, spinal column was broken, and he and he, re, he recreated that. Mm -hmm. You see people like um, Dean Ornish, who says everything in the world is reversible. Well, everything is reversible. So some of the stories that I really, the things that I really believe, I don't believe, and that's where I'm really in this place where the mirror is saying to me, okay. 
Like, it's okay whatever you want to believe, but just believe. Tell me what you believe and believe what you believe and live what you believe. And it's not that I'm an imposter. I don't feel like I'm an imposter. I'm trying my best to do what I'm doing. But I'm being called on the carpet now because I don't have as much time left as I used to have. And I think I'm being asked to just say, you created these characters in the mosaic. How can the, pot, how can the road worker fix your pothole? I love that, Scott. I love that you're doing that. Keep going. Include me in that process because we're all connected. And so how can the mirror maker show me where to look next? How, what, can, what can it point out to me? How can the waitress not only feed me the food that I, I ordered, but give me what I really need, and even if I don't ask for it? How can the blind woman teach me to see another world that, we don't, that I don't see? Well, and I know that this is, you know, in many ways, the idea of seeing what is unseen is so familiar to you. So how is it now suddenly different? Um, because it's not me telling you about it as the wise man. Hmm. It's you telling me about it as the fool. I'm just like the fool on the hill, you know, like all I'm doing is I'm realizing if even if nobody reads my book, which I hope they will, the book has come to change me. The book has come to make me look at myself in a way. When I was at Hay House, one of the things that I saw is the authors didn't write the book that they knew. They wrote the book they most needed to read. And often I would go to them and I would say, hey, you know, you're going through some hard times. You, I, you confide in me. You tell me all the things that are going on why don't you read your book again? It's changing millions of people's lives. I think it will be really big help for you. You wrote that book because that's the book you need to read. Well, lo and behold, welcome to the Mosaic for Danny. Like, I believe it will help a lot of people. I believe it's a great book for people. I believe it will change your perspective. And I believe as soon as you think it's done its work on you, you have no idea what's coming. Because I thought I wrote it. I thought I knew it. I thought I got it. And now... I'm in a totally different place. So when you, so when you, when you, when you, thank you, Sam. About, when you think about the experiences that you're having right now, how does the fact of, how does the fact of having labels identify things? Cause I've always been, I've always been very cynical about labels. Like, you know, we label this and we label that and it gives it a meaning. And that meaning is very subjective based on the person's experiences, their downloads, everything that, that's a part of them, their meaning of something. Cause I've been tearing people apart lately about meanings. I'm like, they're like, Oh, this is this. And I'm like, well, explain what that is. What are your thoughts on that? Giving labels, like you're saying, like you, you you've said a couple of words, uh, phrases tonight that, that would almost sound negative towards yourself. And I know you're, you're an amazing person. I've already watched some of your videos and listened to some of your stuff. I mean, you're a brilliant guy. You're just, you're somebody who's on the path and the journey that's it, that is awakening that part of you. So you can still send that message out to people and say, okay, Hey, chapter two is by the way, don't, don't screw the vessel up. But what are your thoughts on labels? Um, remember I, what I said earlier, I, my wall is, is white. The book is black and white. I wear a black shirt. I have a white beard. And I'm a very I, colorful guy asking very colorful questions. So. And, I and I love the color, that what you, what you bring to the world. I live in a black and white reality. That's what comforts me. 
I, I was I was I was raised in a black and white reality. I went to seminary, and the Rebbe would walk me into a room that was perfect, perfectly remodeled. And he said, "I want you to find ten things that are wrong in this room in thirty seconds." And I said, "It's perfect. It's a perfect room." He said, "Go." And if I couldn't find it, he said, "Take thirty more seconds." And I had to find ten things wrong in thirty seconds, because he said, "If you don't know what's wrong, you won't be able to fix things when they when they're broke when when you walk into a place." For bis walking into a corporation, that's a great talent to have. You can Im immediately see where the holes are in a corporation, and you can do it. Um, living day to day with people is not a great quality to have. Because I don't want to see the 10 things that are wrong with you. I want to see the things that are right with you. Um, I'm a real person. If I if it if I had something to write on my tombstone, if I if I don't get burned, you know, it, not that someone's going to burn me, but that I might just not be in a tombstone, I might just go up in ash. I think I would like it to say he was real. Um, I'm going to find you're going to find millions of things in the things I say that are that are not quite right because I'm not quite right. None of us. And are. That, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, 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 there's some, and there's something beauty, beautiful, beautiful, I, I can't even say the word, you know, but there's something beautiful oh, in, in this, in the sense of you don't have to be right. Thank you, Samuel. Mm -hmm. Thank mm -hmm. you, brother. Um, I, have, I have to make sure that, that before this, the show is over, I, that, that one of the biggest things that you shared on high vibe nation that really impacted me and just like punched a hole in my head it's something that scott is, has been saying scott's a dear friend of ours um is you know the fact that we need to reach out to people you know so i would like for you to tell your your, your homeless story because oh, that, that is i think that message overall and anything the world needs to hear that right now i was just like if we all just did this if every single person just did this yeah. what a huge change oh. we can make so i would i would love for you to share that with with the audience Thank you so much. Um, the preamble to it is that when I look out into the world right now, I don't see a world that's really listening to each other. All you have to do is turn on the news on TV and you just see people fighting each other, people talking over each other. And I'm a little bit of an empath, so that stuff comes into me pretty quickly. And I remember walking on the streets of San Diego one day and I was downtown. And I was walking by people and suddenly a woman walked by me and I felt my, I felt my heart, this sharp pain in my heart. And it, it was just like fast beat and slow beat and fast beat and slow beat. And then suddenly she passed me by and it was gone. And then two minutes later I was walking and I buckled over because my knee hurt so much. I, I literally fell to the ground. My pain, my leg was in so much pain. And I looked behind me and, a, and an old man with a cane was walking by, walking on the cane, leaning all his weight on the cane. And I, I was feeling his pain in his leg and it came into me. So I just realized, hey, I can't, I, I'm feeling too much right now on the street. I've got to go to the, I've got to go to the sidewalk and, you know, to the, to the side where the buildings are. And I want to sit in a building and just get out of this rush of people. Well, when I came to the rush, to, when I left the rush and went to the building, 
there was a man sitting in that corner and he said, this is my corner. You can't come here. And I said, I'm sorry, brother. I, I just, I, I'm not going to take anything from you. I don't want anything from you. I, I just want to sit with you and just listen to you. Talk to me. Just talk to me. And I said, as bad as your pain is right now, I think it's going to be, it's going to make me happier than the pain that I'm feeling on the street. So will you just sit and allow me to sit here and talk to me? He said, I can't do it. I, yeah, I make money sitting here and I need to make that money. I need to make, I need to make money. And I said, how much do you make in a half an hour? He said, $5. So I, I put my hand in my wallet. I said, let's take care of that. Here's $50. You've just made 10 times more than you're going to make. So now will you let me sit with you and keep your hat out? Because I think we're going to make more than $5 this half hour. He said, okay, okay. You're a little weird. I don't know, but you can sit down with me, okay? I said, you're absolutely right, friend. I am a little weird. And it took him a while to open up to me because he doesn't open up to many people because most people don't treat him very well. And when he did open up to me, he told me exactly that story. He said to me, Danny, you've told me a lot of stories. Let me tell you a story. About two weeks ago, I was sitting here and People don't treat a homeless guy very well. I don't, I'm not proud of who I am. I hate who I am. I wake up every morning on the street. And I think what a waste of time I am. And what a, like, what am I doing in this world? My life is worthless. But then I sit here and I think, oh, you know, I'm going to just try and make and get it better. Try and, I'm helping a few people. Let me try and just make the money to help a few people and serve somebody. Over the course of a day, a homeless guy goes through a lot of things that nobody knows they go through. People walk by and they spit on you. Some people come and they'll punch you or they'll kick you or they'll trip over you and they'll steal your money. On this day, I was falling asleep because I didn't sleep well in the night. I was falling asleep and I saw a guy standing there urinating on me. And right after that, five minutes later, a guy came in with a bag of human defecation and threw it at me. And so there was, there was part of my language, there was shit and piss all over me. And it wasn't mine, it was somebody else's. And I thought, this enough is enough. Like the, the street right behind me is, is a dark street. And nobody, nobody travels that street. This evening when it gets dark, I'm just going to go there and take my life. I'm not doing anything for myself. I hate my life. The people around me don't like me. They treat me like less than an animal. They treat me like a thing. I'm going to take my life tonight. There was a thought that I had, and two minutes later, a man came out of nowhere. And he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, how are you, brother? And Corey said to me, Danny, he said, sir, this is not a good time. This is not a good time. I'm not going through a good thing. Please just keep walking. The best thing you can do is just keep walking. Mind your own business. Leave me be. It's not a good time. I'm not in a happy place. And the man said, there's no way I'm leaving you for my friend. And he sat down and he put his arm around him. And for some reason, Corey let him in quicker than he let me in. Just that, that happened. And he started crying on the man's shoulder. And the man said to him, tell me, just take your time and tell me what's going on. And Corey started to tell him how he, would he felt like a thing, not a person. And the people were treating him and all the things that happened and all the ways he, were he was treated disrespectfully. He didn't tell him he was going to kill himself, but he said, I it's just not worth living. And the man looked at him and said, it's worth living, my friend. It's worth living. Your story has to be told by someone. 
Corey said to me, it only took 10 minutes for that conversation to happen, Dan. But here was a man in a three-piece suit that was sitting with a worthless human being. And he gave me the time and energy that made me feel like I was worth something. He told me my story needed to be told. I have no idea how I'll tell my story. But I didn't kill myself that day because I've been thinking, how will I get my story told? How will I tell my story? I wish he would have come again because I would like to thank him because that day he saved my life. I didn't, I didn't take my life that day. I'm still here for you. Well, I've gone back to that corner several times to try and find Corey. Because I wanted to tell him that the way he's going to tell his story is through me. I've told his story now to millions and millions of people. And the invitation that he gave to people is, if you would do what that man did, 10 minutes out of the course of a lifetime is not enough, is not a lot to ask of somebody. Would each of you please take 10 minutes and go up to someone you don't know? Don't try and fix them. Don't try and help them. Don't try and convert them. Don't try and change them. Don't try and do anything to them. Just listen. Ask them, how are you doing? And listen to them. I wish I could tell Corey that he's changed millions of people's lives because now there's a revolution of people that are going and doing that. I have a show that I started as a result of it called 50 Conversations with 50 Strangers. I put out a note and I thought it would take me a while to get 50 people to sign up. That day, 250 people signed up to talk to a stranger. All of those people have heard that story and are telling that story and are doing that now. And if people want to sign up to be on that show, I'll leave, my, I'll leave the link to my calendar. You just do it. You don't have to talk to me. I don't want to know anything about you. I want, to, I want you to come in as a stranger. Well, and I'd love to have a conversation with you. But you have no idea the impact of your listening has. And it's, it's true, Linda. If you treat people with respect, you change your life. But the most important thing to hear here is why did I change from being a lover to a listener? I'm not any less of a lover. I still love people. But I love when a story comes sort of full circle. Because a lover is what the wise man does. The lover loves people and takes care of people and helps people. I was the great white knight for a long time. And I rode into the room and nothing could happen bad when I was around until I couldn't do, I couldn't change one thing for my wife and her, and her death. And now I just want to listen, be a listener. I want to just be there for you to tell me what you need and what you want. And I may be able to help you, I may not, but I promise you I'll listen to you and I will love you and I will never judge you. I will love and accept you. I will listen to you so that you know you're heard. I will acknowledge what you're saying and validate you for saying it. Because I know now how important that is for me. Because a lot of this change that happened didn't come from clouds opening up and things happening and my soul speaking to me and all that. It came from a few people that I did that for saying to me, I want to turn the table on you. Let's do that for you. What is it you really want to say right now? What can we really hear? And they brought my own story back to me and said, what would the wise one say to you now? What would the homeless guy say? 
What would the street worker say? What would the juice man say? What would the traveler tell you right now? Please don't get the book because it puts money in my pocket. I could care less. The amount of money it puts in my pocket is great. I love it, but it's not the reason why I'm doing it. Please get a copy of the book just so you get a chance to experience these characters and what you'll realize over time. These were just a few of the characters. Every person you meet on the street could be in, the, could be in your book called The Mosaic because you are a part of a mosaic. And a mosaic's different than a jigsaw puzzle. In a jigsaw puzzle, you fit right here in this place and you can't, there's no other place for you but this place. In a mosaic, what's happening for me now is that my piece is being picked up and moved all over the place. Hey, Patricia, nice to see you again. So my piece is being moved over into a whole nother piece of the, of the pattern. I have no idea where I'll end up and I'm excited to find out. And I want to let go of this persona so that that persona can enter me. Amen, brother. Amen. Thank you so, so much for sharing that dude. Seriously. If you had me, I don't know if you saw that, but there's only been two times on air where I've almost, well, actually I did cry in my other show, but I was close. I was like, Mm, you you got me you got me with that story so thank you so much for sharing that man it's Corey's story so i appreciate you yeah i hope Corey, Corey, wherever you are you're touching people brother and we that's you, what brother. i want we you love to you. it's amazing so thank you i mean just that message just spend some time and talk with somebody give them a hug listen to them 10 minutes i mean yeah what is it well and what that brought up for me is in the listening do we become the mirror but then at the same time, are we also the person on the other side of the mirror? It's like, what do we learn about ourselves in those moments? And, you know, then how do we take whatever it is that we learn and, and share that out with the world so that more people can experience that same thing? Yeah, I, I love it. And for right now, my perspective is slightly not that it's better or worse. I just am sharing where I'm at with it. The uncomfortable shift that I'm being asked to make is what happens when you don't have to help somebody and be the messenger of good news to somebody. Hmm. What happens if you could simply just listen to what people are saying and absorb? Just hold that space for someone to feel loved and accepted without having to then go and take the bugle and go, bum, 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 bum. here's the, and the message for today is... You know, that's what I've been doing my whole life. I've been riding that horse. I've been riding that horse in my suit of armor, but my suit of armor is getting old. I'm getting chafed from riding in this metal suit of arm, arm, armor. And I really just want to let go of the armor. And what, ha what would happen if I didn't have to be the messenger of good news? What would happen if I didn't have to always lift somebody up? I'm tired. Not because I don't want to lift people up. I'm tired because it's no longer who I am. Who I am is somebody who says to you, come into my arms and let me just hold you. Come into my arms and tell me anything you want to say. I had someone on the show yesterday. Oh, my God. And I could feel her. She, she referenced her trauma. And I could feel her trauma. And I said, you know, I told you before you came on the show that I might ask you something. And you have every right 
to say I don't want to answer that. So this is that spot. Is this a moment where you're ready to share that trauma or a little piece of it with me? And she said, Danny, I have never told publicly the story that I'm about to tell you to anybody but my closest of friends and my family. I think maybe a handful of people knows this story and I can't believe I'm gonna say it to you right now because I feel comfortable here in this space and I trust you. What message could I bugle out that's more important than that? And it has nothing to do with anything I'm saying. Mm -hmm. It's that the space is there for somebody to feel comfortable enough. That's the shift that I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get away from this wise man who teaches when he hates teaching to this, to this, to this beautiful listening person who just says, come to me and hold, let me hold you and, and hold me. And in coming together, something beautiful is going to happen when we connect to each other. Because I love you and you love me. And, and Christopher, yes, it's all about love. But I want you to know when you're in my arms and you're, and you're talking to me, I, I am so here with you. I'm hearing everything you say. And there's no judgment. There's no thought of how am I going to answer your question? How am I, what am I going to say next? I'm just completely 100% with you, available to you and with you. And what I'm seeing is people in that room, when they feel that, they drop off who they're not because there's no need to hold their armor up anymore. They feel safe. Mm -hmm. And suddenly a woman that I, don't, I didn't even know existed 10 minutes before she came into the room is telling on live air a story that she hasn't told to anybody other than the closest friends that is a traumatic, terrible, dark story. But in doing so, it made the purpose of her life so much more beautiful because she looked like a beautiful woman who had just lived a life of ease. And of course, she had a positive attitude. That's the way someone would have looked at it. But now knowing this part of her story, whoa, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. To be where you are now coming from there, how amazing. And I said there, I just want to do whatever I can to let people hear your story. I tell the stories of the people that nobody wants to listen to. Who wants to hear the story of a homeless man? Who wants to hear the story of a development of a delayed kid? Who wants to hear the story? Yeah, you, you and me are brothers. That's fine. <laughs> but who want, nobody, nobody's aching to hear those stories. They're all looking for who's going to make them better. And how can I show you how big I am and how important I am? I want to be, how can I show you how there's nothing that I am? I'm, I, I am here as a receptacle for you. Beautiful. And, and if I can hold that space for you and love you, there's my purpose now. Mm, that is so beautiful. So if you, if you had a microphone to the entire world right now, and given what you've said and given what you shared and given what you're going through and given what you anticipate about the journey being you know, relaxed and embracing it and enjoying this next uh, part of your journey, what would you say to people, that, and, and they're listening right now, got COVID going on, all the different stuff. What would you say to people right now to give them that sense of ease that everything is going to be okay? And whether the journey is challenging or not, that it's all going to work out and it's going to be for your benefit as you learn to discover yourself and love yourself and to be free of the ego and everything else. What would, what would you say to people? I'm curious. From your heart.
the story of Viktor Frankl comes to my mind. Yes. Oh, yeah. Viktor Frankl wrote a story called Man's Search for Meaning. I, I so do not want to belittle the tragedy of COVID. I so do not want to have anybody who has somebody missing from their dining room table think that I'm giving this a Pollyannish presentation. I so don't want them to think for a minute that I don't feel their loss, feel their pain, feel their suffering, and feel the downside of this thing as well. Viktor Frankl didn't want to say to anybody who died in the concentration camps that their experience wasn't real. All he wanted to do was share his experience. And he said, if you want to know God, live in a concentration camp for three years. Because nothing is as it seems. The meaning we give to what is, is what is. And I love that it comes full circle because you were riding somebody on the meaning, right? We were talking about meaning earlier in the show. Mm -hmm. What is the meaning we give to the things that happen? For me, who tends to want to go inside anyway? The fact that I couldn't go outside was just like a revelation. I thought, wow, here I am, I'm back in my monastery. I'm secluded, I'm isolated. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to go out. I can sit in my chair and I can just meditate. And I thought COVID was a gift from heaven. For our environment for the first few days, you know, they were, they were saying in India, they could see the Himalayas from 200 kilometers away, which they haven't been able to see. Their fish were appearing in waters in Italy that hadn't been there for years. The Ganges was 50% cleaner. It's the dirtiest river in the world. It was 50% cleaner in two weeks. Pollution all around the world was down because factories weren't spewing their waste into the air and cars weren't driving on the streets. So is COVID a bad thing? Yeah, of course there's a bad side to it. But our earth was so happy. And when you listen to the earth speaking, the earth was happy to have a break from the pollution of man. And so... I would just say what I'm saying to myself. Danny, what is the meaning you're given to this moment? And can you get out of your wise men and just open up your heart and be vulnerable and real? And can you allow people to question your answers rather than you answering their questions? because I think it's in the questioning of my answers that I will see something I've never seen before. When the mosaic told me nothing is as it seems, I didn't realize it meant to me that in my own life too. Mm -hmm. But I wanna leave people with nothing is as it seems. What you see out there is not what's out there, guaranteed. So if it's not what out, what's out there, then what is out there? Well, I think it's incredibly beautiful that this book is not only a gift to the people that you've written it for, but that it is also a gift to you. Thank and you. yes, and that this message, you know, as much as 
maybe it's it's not you bugling to the world if there's a message to be heard in it and so and and i actually really appreciated what patricia said earlier she said when we wake up our karma is the evidence and praise to you for boldly being the active verb oh. and i think that's really yeah that sums it up so well is just that really um love is it's active it's out there it's it's showing itself in as many ways as we will allow it to and so thank you for being here and sharing this book with us sharing your heart with us most of all just being totally open and allowing us to come into your world with you so very grateful it has been such a blessing to share this time it has been way too short even though we have run over time <laughs> oh i'm so sorry i have to point out one more thing because it's super important please do people realize that Pamela's shirt is like a mosaic? That's all I want. To know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you did say you were gonna you were gonna mention it. <laughs> you did it on purpose, didn't you? Uh, yeah. Pamela, I you did. did. You did? <laughs> I did. It was as close as I could get. <laughs> I just wore white. Well, he's black and white, so I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it's perfect. Yes, we're all the balance, right? Black and white, white and black, right? I mean, exactly. like, there we go. Yes. And tons of colors. I love well, it. I love, I love how your life is becoming more colorful and more colorful by the thoughts that you continue to uh, explore. And just thank you so much for being with us. I mean, I can't wait to have more conversations with you down the road. And just thank you again for being who you are. I so look yes. forward to that. Thank you for having me. What a gift. I appreciate you guys. Love you. Love Such you a too. joy. And tell us where you want people to connect with you. So I'll send you links to everything. But um the easiest way to do to get me is to email me and and i said complicated email so i'll send the email to you so that you have it and there's you can go one or two emails one or two websites you know there's a lot of things a lot of choices but they'll all be there email me and you'll find me and i'll respond back i promise perfect i love that and just want to say a very special thank you so many of you and i wanted to share some of these comments too very quickly before we go i just was really touched by some of these glenda saying i am forgiving my abuser that is wow. just remarkable and patricia the experience tonight is precious and so you know i just it is such a joy to be here with all of you and to share these moments out with you you know, we get almost more from it, I think, sometimes maybe than you just being able to share it out with you. So thank you. Lots of love to all of you this evening. And thank you again, Danny, for being here with us. Much love. Big love. Thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful rest of your evening, everyone. Thank you, guys. Ciao. Ciao. We want to thank you for listening today. We know you have many choices for content and we are grateful you chose us. You can always find more of our episodes at the Energy Healing Network on YouTube. Please do make sure to subscribe to the channel so you can easily find more episodes or watch when we go live. Thank you again for listening and sharing these messages with others who you wish to encourage and uplift.